Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today we're joined by James Swanick, who's an Australian-American investor, entrepreneur, speaker, sleep and alcohol expert, and former sports center anchor on ESPN. He's the founder and CEO of Swanick's Sleep and Alcohol Free Lifestyle, and he's helped more than 200,000 people sleep better with his blue light blocking glasses, Swanies from Swanwick Sleep. I want to welcome James to the show. Hi, James. Hello, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. I'm excited to hear a little bit about your expertise. But before we dive into this whole thing, which I think is really, really pertinent to our listeners, especially people who, as you know, are stressed out and they're burned out, they are having issues with sleep and they're using alcohol oftentimes as a coping mechanism. So I think what you are bringing to us today is going to be really pertinent. But before we dive in, I know that you have experienced burnout yourself. So tell us a little bit about what happened there. Well, I was a socially acceptable drinker in that I would have one or two drinks, maybe sometimes three drinks a night, almost every night of the week. I wasn't getting drunk. I wasn't getting DUIs. I wasn't waking up in a ditch. I was just drinking what society would say was an appropriate amount. And I did that from age 17 all the way to my mid-30s. And so the burnout came when I was around 34 years old, when all of that drinking over 20 years caught up with me. And I was tired. I was irritable. I wasn't sleeping well. I'd put on about 25 unwanted pounds. My relationships were just kind of like, I was like a six out of 10. And- I was burned out because I was trying to get stuff happening in my life. I was trying to make money and the drinking really wasn't helping me at all. And so I woke up one morning, I was in Austin, Texas in a hotel outside of downtown Austin. I was staying there for the South by Southwest Festival in 2010 and I looked in the mirror and I just felt and looked average and mediocre and weathered. And I went to an IHOP, International House of Pancakes, next door to the hotel and I sat in the IHOP and I said, what am I doing in an IHOP? And I could just feel all of the burnout and all of the fatigue and all of the lethargy and all the mediocrity. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to take a 30-day break from alcohol just to see what happens. And I did. And I lost 13 pounds in 30 days. I slept wow. better, I looked better. I looked better. I lost stress and anxiety. And then I auditioned to become a sports center anchor on ESPN. And I got the job and I thought, this alcohol-free lifestyle is pretty good. I think I might keep going with this. And I did. 
And I got to a year later with improved relationships and clarity and focus and peace and calm and no more burnout. And I ordered a celebratory beer from the barman back in Austin, Texas. And just before I put it to my mouth and took a celebratory sip, I stopped, put it down and thought, hmm, in one year, I've lost 25 pounds, got the body that nature intended me to have. I'm calmer, nicer. I've attracted higher caliber relationships. I've got my dream job. I've made more money. I think I might hand the beer back. And I did. And I haven't drunk a sip of alcohol since 2010. So 13 and a half years now. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Because that's a long time. It is. And it's certainly a testament to your commitment, right? And I think that there's something to be said for that, James, because I, I think we all have hard decisions that we have to make. And it's not a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision. Thank you. It felt that way for many months in the first year. Candidly, it's not actually a decision that I make every day. There's no decision to make. I just live alcohol-free and I love it. So that was the decision that I had to make daily for those first few months. And then it just became the norm. So there's not even a question every day, am I going to drink or am I not going to drink? I don't even think about it. I just don't care. It doesn't bother me. It just doesn't even come into my way of thinking. Even despite talking about living an alcohol-free lifestyle every single day of the past 12 years, because now, now I have a, a business that's named Alcohol-Free Lifestyle. We have a podcast called Alcohol-Free Lifestyle. I mean, we help high achievers, executives, entrepreneurs, folks mostly in their 30s, 40s, and 50s to have a much better relationship with alcohol. I talk about alcohol all day. I think about it all day, but I ne but never once do I ponder drinking alcohol. And that's when you truly have freedom. That's when you just get to live the way that you choose to live. So I'm glad that you're talking about this because as I mentioned in the beginning, there are a lot of people who drink the way you used to, which is societally acceptable and normal. You know, I hear this all the time. Oh, I just drink to take the edge off. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I just need to kick back a little bit. You know, it's just one drink. What's the big deal? Yeah. And it sounds like you that's that was the life that you were living. And actually, and I want to I want people to hear this because I just heard this statistic which is something I hadn't heard before. But, you know, we talk about how one or two drinks three to five times a week or whatever. It's just like normal. It's not that big a deal. It doesn't mean I'm an alcoholic. Well, what I heard recently is that if you have more than two drinks total in a week, it is considered problematic drinking. So for all the people that think like if they just have that one glass of wine at night, every night, they're fine. It's actually not that fine. It's actually <laughs> a red flag. Yeah, there was a study that came out 2022 in the UK, and they looked at 35,000 adults, mostly middle-aged, and they looked at the effects of folks having one seemingly innocent drink per night. So seven standard drinks in a week, one drink a night. And what they discovered is that that was enough to damage the gray and white matter in our brains. The bumper sticker is drinking even one drink a night causes some level of brain degeneration. Think about that for a moment. And then think about how much alcohol you consume, the listener I'm talking to. Do you drink seven drinks a week? Do you drink none on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but then have a couple on Thursday, a couple on Friday, then you have a few on the weekend? There you go. There's your seven. 
That's enough, according to the study in 2022, of 35,000 people to cause brain degeneration. So this whole myth, this ridiculous myth that a glass of wine a night is good for your heart, which came out in the 80s, has been debunked so many times with the advance of medical science and surveys and four more decades of research, and yet people still cling on to this notion, oh, but, 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 one drink a night's okay. Well, the research suggests it isn't. But here's the thing. You can make your own choices in life. If you want to have a drink at night, have a drink at night, but just know that it comes with consequences. I'm not here to stop you. I'm just the messenger, just the person who relays the facts. So this brings up two really important questions. One is, what are the consequences? And you've already shared from your experience some of the things that you had as consequences, like the weight gain and some of the other things. But you've done a lot of research on this area. So what are the red flags that they need to pay attention to if they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know about this new research that you're saying. I've always heard it was fine. And I don't think I have a problem. What do those people need to hear in order to think, okay, this really is a problem? Like, what are those warning signs? And then I think the next thing that we need to answer is if we're going to take away alcohol as your coping mechanism for handling stress, then we need to give them something else to hold on to. So let's start with the first question, which is red flags if I am drinking too much and I don't even know it. Well, look, some anecdotal consequences that you may have experienced, stress, anxiety, irritability, lethargy, disrupted sleep, constant going down mental loops, questioning everything, six out of 10 feeling, weight gain, uh, unwanted body fat, strained relationships, mediocre work performance, fogginess, inability to focus. I mean, there's some simple things. And then more specific than that, breast cancer, alcohol causes an increase in breast cancer, liver issues, diabetes, poor skin, acne, craving sugary foods. Lots of things. Lots, Lots of things. things. So, so there's those. And then yeah. I just, I'll just finish that point, which is, you said you gave the analogy of someone saying, oh, but I don't know about this, this, because I've, I've heard that, you know, one's not too bad. Listen, do your own research. Just type in the words alcohol and study into Google and then go press, then press news. You will find dozens and dozens and dozens of recent, and when I say recent, the last 12 months, last 18 months of studies that come out. Find me one article that has any positive effects from alcohol and I will salute you. They don't exist, but I can tell you there are dozens and dozens and dozens which show that any amount of alcohol ain't good for you. Excuse my poor English. The World Health Organization recommends zero amount of alcohol. The American Cancer Society recommends zero amount of alcohol. In Canada recently, at the end of 2022, the government said, oh, actually, we've decided to reduce what the amount of you know, recommended consumption of alcohol by seven. So instead of having 14 drinks a week, they said, maybe you should maybe just have two, two or three. So again, you can keep clinging on to this notion that one or two here or there isn't that bad. Do your own research. Your final question, Sharon, was what do you do if you're not drinking, right? What do you do to reduce stress and anxiety? Well, the simple answer is anything else. And the anything else can include 
living a life of appreciation instead of expectation. By that, I mean writing down 20 things you're grateful for every day, which has been scientifically proven to reduce stress and anxiety. And when your stress and anxiety is reduced, you don't feel the need to try and numb yourself out with a glass of attractively packaged poison. It's also getting morning sunlight, first thing exposing yourself to sunlight. Studies show people who expose themselves to morning sunlight sleep better. When you sleep better, guess what? It reduces your stress and anxiety. Putting your bare feet on the earth, connecting to what's called the Schumann resonance. The Schumann resonance is the energetic pulse of the earth. When you walk on the grass or on the snow, even if it's in the winter, it reduces your stress and anxiety. And guess what? Reduction in stress and anxiety leads to a reduction in cravings for alcohol. Breathing, simple act of breathing, but being just intentional in your breathing. You don't need to do a Wim Hof class and be doing all this kind of things and passing out and having these euphoric feelings, but just being intentional with your breathing and knowing that you're breathing in and breathing out is enough to reduce stress and anxiety, which guess what? Leads to a reduction in your need to want to drink a glass of attractively packaged poison. Good <laughs> friends, eating with friends has been scientifically proven to be the most pleasurable thing a human being can do eating food, and eating with allies. Why? Because anything that our subconscious believes improves our probability of survival, we feel good about. And eating improves our probability of survival, and having friends increases our probability of survival. So when the aliens come down and start trying to shoot us all, we've got a greater chance of survival if we've got friends, family, allies. So there are countless things that people can do which don't involve drinking poison to feel better. I'm so glad that you listed all of these things because these are all free tools that are readily available to anyone. And they're scientifically proven to help with, as you say, stress and anxiety. And what I think is actually super ironic is if we're saying that somebody's drinking because they're really stressed and it's supposed to be something that takes the edge off. What you've just shared with us is that actually when you drink, it increases stress and anxiety. Well, here's the irony of the whole thing. After a while, you end up drinking to feel better from the effects that only drinking is creating. And then you're stuck in this vicious loop, this vicious cycle. So you're digging your own grave. You're just pouring gasoline on a fire that's already burning bright. And now you just want to just extend the fire, make it bigger, make it more intense. And the other thing is, and this is, this is a remarkable fact, you're actually better drinking alcohol for breakfast than you are anywhere close to bedtime. Because at least then your body will have 16 hours to try and work to get rid of the toxins that you've just ingested. But what happens is most people are having a glass of wine, a beer, just to take the edge off and relax at the end of the day, thinking that they're relaxing. Well, it might give you temporary illusionary relaxation, but your sleep is going to be compromised to the point where you're going to wake up in the morning tired and irritable, even if you've had seven or eight hours sleep, because I don't care about the duration of your sleep in this instance. It's the quality of your sleep. Sure, having a drink or two may help put you to sleep, but the quality of your sleep will be severely compromised and you'll wake up in the morning feeling like you only got four or five hours sleep, even if you got seven or eight. 
Because why? Your body is working to digest and get rid of the toxins that you've ingested. We don't want our body working when we're sleeping. We want our body resting. I have a sleep company. It's called Swanic Sleep. We produce blue light blocking glasses. You wear these orange lens blue light blocking glasses in the last hour before you go to sleep. The orange lens blocks out the artificial light from your kitchen light, bathroom light, computer screen light, cell phone light, microwave light, the alarm clock light, refrigerator light, the McDonald's golden arches lights, the traffic lights, the street lights, all of this artificial light at night that you expose yourself to when you're not wearing a pair of protective blue light blocking glasses is disrupting your sleep because your brain now believes mistakenly that it's daytime. So it keeps all of the daytime hormones going instead of what it naturally wants to do, which is release melatonin. But you can't release melatonin if you're staring into a computer screen and you're exposing yourself to this blue light. And that is going to mess with your sleep. In addition to you having a glass of seemingly innocent wine at the end of the night to relax and help you fall asleep, those two things combined are destroying your sleep. And when your sleep is destroyed and you wake up feeling like a six or a seven out of 10, when nature wants you to be a nine out of 10, you're living a subpar life. You're phoning it in. And that shows up with fogginess, irritability, strained marriages, not being present with your kids, seeking comfort in sugary foods and more wine and more beer and vaping and shopping and love addiction, sometimes porn addiction, and on and on and on and on and on the cycle goes. And all you got to do is cut out alcohol and block blue light at night, sleep better, get some morning sunlight. Your whole life will vastly improve. So James, I mean, we we talked about how there's so many different negative consequences to alcohol. And one of them is obviously poor sleep or disturbed sleep. And so I see kind of where you're going with the glasses, which is like one way to focus on sleep. And you've already shared with us some other things, even just related to stress and how to manage stress. But like, if somebody is listening to this right now, and they're like, you know, I don't know if I can do this, but if I was even going to try to either cut back or to stop altogether. I mean, I know you kind of went cold turkey. You started with a 30-day, like no alcohol trial, but what would you recommend people do? Do you recommend that they try out 30 days with nothing and kind of see what happens? Or do you have some, what's like the first step somebody should take? Well, look, it depends on what your end result is. Now, if your end result is to be completely alcohol-free and you want alcohol gone forever for good, then I would recommend getting some professional support, getting accountability in a community, ensuring that it's fun. Definitely do not go to AA or rehab. I definitely do not recommend that. And I'll give you my opinion on that in in just a moment. But suffice to say, they're both completely ineffective methods. But I can tell you that I've been coaching folks since 2015, and there are five pillars, I guess, which almost certainly, in, which increase the probability of your success so many times that it, I, I can't count it, right? Compared to the alternatives, which mostly are willpower, motivation, or going to AA or doing rehab. And those five pillars are coaching, got to have a mentor, someone who can show you the way, accountability. And I don't mean from your wife or your husband or your best friend, and you have a fun little accountable thing, and we're not gonna we're not gonna drink for a certain amount of time because that only lasts so long. And then your friends and your husband and your wife always, always give you a pass. 
and they don't really hold you that accountable. At least not, they don't hold you accountable to the level that you may need. It's got to be fun because people always think that stopping drinking is going to be like, oh, I'm depriving myself. And when you're depriving yourself, you feel like you're a prisoner. And what do all prisoners want to do? They want to break out of prison. So even if you go to commit to these 30 days, all you're doing is just depriving yourself for 30 days and waiting for day 30 where you get to go and celebrate with a drink and the whole cycle starts again, right? So we want to have it be fun, fun enough that when day 30 comes, you want to go to day 31 and day 40 and you're like, bring on six months and bring on a year. Let's go. So coaching, accountability, fun, community, okay, community is a big thing. And when I say community, I mean, get around people who either A, don't drink or B, don't require drinking for social fun. Yeah, which sometimes actually means that you have to make new friends because all your friends are the people you've been hanging out with this entire time. And this is what you guys do together. I would suggest not have to make new friends. You get to make new friends. Okay. I'll have it. to implies, oh God, I have to make new friends. Get to is like, I get to make new friends. Let's go. I love this. And then the final pillar or the fifth pillar is skin in the game. And skin in the game can mean a few different things. It can mean you pay a coach, you pay to be in a group, or it could mean you make a bet with friends and family that says, if you drink within six months, you're going to pay $10,000 to the political party that you absolutely detest in this world. Right? So it could be a pain payment, or there could be a reward, skin in the game of, of reward, whereby you're paid $10,000 or somebody buys you a trip or someone does something for you when you succeed, right? So that's what I mean by skin in the game. Yeah. I can tell you for me personally that the, the skin in the game I always love to, to, to put in is my own money. Like I love to invest in a personal coach at the gym or a personal trainer at the gym, I should say. I have a, a coach, a therapist that I speak to once a week. That's great accountability for me. And I like to pay it all up front because then I show up. Otherwise, if I don't show up, I'm just setting fire to my money, right? And uh, the same with a personal trainer. Like I pay the personal trainer ahead of time. And if I don't show up, I've just wasted my money. But as soon as I pay, I pay attention. So fun, coaching, accountability, community, and skin in the game, any way you can manufacture that in your life will create a much higher level of, of success than if you're just using willpower and motivation by themselves, which have less than a 10% success rate, according to many studies. So coming back to the question, if someone wants to take their first step to stop altogether to just cut back, should they start with looking for a coach? Should they start with a 30-day challenge? What do you recommend? If someone wants to dip their toe in the water, my suggestion would be do 30 days, do a 30-day challenge. And we have a 30-day challenge at you know, you can just go to 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com. You can do it there, or you can just commit it, commit to doing it yourself, right? But just here's a little warning on that, okay? My advice is when you commit to this 30-day challenge, do so and be open to the possibility that you'll go for 50 days or 60 or 90 or 100. Please do not go, I'm going to do 30 days, and then I'm going to go back to drinking. Because again, if you do that, then yeah, you'll get a glimpse of what it feels like to be alcohol-free and you will enjoy clarity and focus and better sleep and you'll feel better and it'll be amazing and you'll tell all your friends, I took 30 days off and you'll be really proud and that'll be great. And you'll feel really, really good and proud for 30 days. 
And then you'll get on that slippery slope and you'll most likely return to the same level of drinking that got you doing the 30-day challenge in the first place. So if you're going to do 30 days, which I encourage you to do, if you can't quite grasp the idea of quitting for longer, that's fine. But please be open to surprising yourself and going, you know what? I love this so much. I'm going to see how long I can go. Thank you for that. And I want to bring us back to the beginning when you talked about your story of burnout. You said the reason you burned out was because you were trying to make money. And I think this is exactly what happens is we get caught up in the rat race and we're trying to do all these things and then we're stressed out and we look for that quick, easy solution and alcohol is just quick and easy. And so I'm curious if you had to go back to your younger self, who was that guy who was really eager to succeed and make money, what would you say to that guy? I would say invest in coaches and mentors a heck of a lot earlier than when you did. I would say stop being so eager to make money now and rather take a longer term view on things. I would say stop taking money-making advice from people who've never made any or rarely made any. Uh, I would say absolutely choose an alcohol-free lifestyle because that will generate you millions of dollars far quicker than doing it with alcohol. And almost, I wouldn't say guaranteeing it, but certainly give you a heck of a much greater chance at, at generating millions of dollars of income than if you were drinking. I would say Sure, James, experiment with drinking alcohol, go through your face, because I don't think that there could have been anything that anyone would have told me about alcohol that would have dissuaded me from drinking when I did, because the cultural conditioning was just too strong. You know, I grew up in Australia where everyone my age drank. That was how you had fun. It was how you celebrated. And I'd be damned if I wasn't going to experience that. So I did. I experienced it. I did my drinking phases, my drinking phase. And parts of it were great. And you can get away with it until you turn the corner of 30, maybe late 20s, early 30s. And then you can't get away with it. So I would probably say to my younger self, yeah, get your drinking days on and then get out a decade earlier than what you did. Get out in your mid-20s because 10 additional years of living alcohol-free, wow. I'd be the prime minister of Australia right now, or I'd be, <laughs> I'd be on the Forbes billionaire list or something. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be a heck of a lot more uh, along professionally than what I am. And it's not all about professional life and money and career and stuff. I tell you this, I'd be a heck of a lot further along in terms of my joy and happiness. Like I wouldn't have wasted a many years irritated and frustrated. And, you know, my experience of life would have just been so much more pleasurable. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey. And I will definitely put in the resources, your 30-day challenge so that people can check that out. And is there any last resources in addition to that that you want to share with people if they're interested in maybe working with you? Well, look, I have a, a free guide. It's called the Alcohol Freedom Formula. And if you go to my Instagram, which is at James Swanick. My last name is spelled Swanwick, S-W-A-N-W-I-C-K. There's a link in my bio there where you can download my alcohol freedom formula. It's about 60 pages and it literally outlines the exact process that I take all of my 
paid clients through and it will show you how to live an alcohol-free lifestyle. Yeah, we've got the podcast, Alcohol-Free Lifestyle Podcast in Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and you can always go to alcoholfreelifestyle.com. Lots and lots of fantastic resources. We'll put all of that in the show notes. And want to thank you again, James, for coming on and sharing this, I think, is not only a great guide for people, but also a reminder and an inspiration of what's possible for them. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience, and by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review, telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care, everybody.